Ludwig II of Bavaria famously loved to paraphrase a line from the play The Bride of Messina, saying, I wish to remain an eternal enigma to myself and others. Well, mission accomplished. For all the information available about the Swan King, the truth of his interior life and of his tragic fate remain impenetrable to everyone who tries to learn about him. So was he a misunderstood free spirit who was ill-suited to public life, or was he mentally ill and a danger to his country? The truth died with Ludwig in Lake Starnberg, leaving him the enigma that he always hoped to be. In case yeah. you're wondering, it took us 23 minutes to record the intro. Stephanie is sitting on the floor of her closet, <laughs> sipping tea from a south of the border mug, and she spilled it everywhere. Oh, all over. And that's not even why we were delayed. It's because we can't apparently say internal enigma or, or Ludwig for that reason. Or Ludwig. Or really any word. (laughs) Uh, We'll get to this, but so um, I'm going to call him. Well, first of all, Ludwig is our is our um, our topic for today, and that's how I'm going to speak about him. But if we're going to get like really technical, you say it Ludwig, correct? Yes. Okay. Just like we would say Stephanie. How is that the same? Because you're German. Yeah, but Stefanie and Ludwig are not the same. No, but they're both because... German pronunciations of names. Yeah, yeah. And my name is German spelling. Right. Um, and that's really why I'm hyped today, because we're going back to my homeland. I speak zero German. Uh, Riley was the one who actually studied German, so I will probably leave the German pronunciations to her and I'm not going to refer to him as Ludwig throughout this whole thing because I think it just makes me look kind of like a jerk um but I just want everyone to know because we do have German listeners we do have listeners in Germany that's true yes we are in eight countries and one of them is Germany I do want everyone there to know that I I do understand how you really pronounce it um but anyway all of that to say is uh, thanks for joining us again. Um, I'm happy that Riley is here with us today because she had a big weekend. She is not only a queen, she is also a superhero and she finished a half marathon this weekend. Oh, wow. Thank Congratulations you. to you. Thank you. Um, I How thought you, feeling? you were referencing the fact that Adele and Oprah had a sit down interview this weekend. No, um, <clears throat> I'm not, you know what I I'm related because... to that? Because when Adele said, Oh, I'm an athlete. That's me. Like straight up Adele and I are, yeah, athletes. you are. And, um, you can officially yeah. say that now. Yes. Uh, How did she say it again? I'm trying to do it. It's, so if you're familiar with, no, Lasso, you did it great. Oh, I did it great. Um, I thought so. She she gives me a bit of Keely um, in her interview. Right. She was reminding right. me of Keely. Um, yeah. She said, like, I'm an athlete. I'm not even lying. 
Mm. Not even bragging. Bruv. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Adele would say that. Yes. um, So I'm also a voice actor, if you weren't aware. Yes. um, Our next series is just going to be you with that accent. You wish. It's not about me. It's about the viewers. If they demand it, who are we to say no? That's true. So everyone, everyone write in and say that you demand it. Yes. And I will end every sentence with bruv. Yeah. Although I may not be in any shape to do another podcast after this because um, I've already gotten hit with Taylor Swift's red album version. And then in a few days, we're getting a new Adele album. And I think it's just going to be a sad girl Thanksgiving is what we just did. I do too, but I think that's why this podcast is important. Um, I personally know that I've listened to the 10 minute version of all too well five times today. Um, and yeah. it's not great for my mental health. Um, right. Because there was no reason for me to weep today, but I felt the need to all day. Um, so you're saying this podcast is what's keeping us yes yeah take time for your seasonal affective disorder and stop listening to taylor's Mm. version of red stop listening to adele's divorce album and just take a moment to learn about ludwig yeah you won't cry here only from laughter tears of joy or secondhand not about his story yeah, yeah, not about his story because the story is actually pretty sad, but hopefully the journey along the way will make it fun. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I also did want to mention that if I get one more comment from a listener saying that they wished that uh, Casey was a regular part of this podcast, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to lose my mind. So this is why I didn't want to bring him on. This is our brother. If you didn't listen to last month's episode on Alexander Romanov, go listen now. We're aware. He's a delight. He does this for a living. Yeah, he, he does do it for a living. So he's got the equipment. He's got the voice. He's always had the charm. I'm five years older than him. So I went through high school before he ever entered it. But all I hear from everyone else is how much cooler my brother is than me. I've been hearing that for half my life. Yes. it's old it's tired um and listen if we could have him on every week we would we would unfortunately we'll he's booked and busy and he knows nothing about anything we're talking about so correct but that's what makes him a good guest because hopefully most of the people joining us don't either and it's the one I thing think- i can hold over him you know, I look at our stats a lot um, for the podcast mm-hmm. and it doesn't tell you, you know, the intelligence of your listener, but I have to imagine based on knowing us that it's higher than what we're bringing to the table. I would hope so. Yeah. I'm sitting in a closet wearing Ugg boots, <laughs> spilling tea on my floor. Ugg boots. I, I, yeah, I I hope that the average listener is better than what I'm offering right now. <laughs> oh man! So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Um. All right. Shall we get into it? Yeah. 
now that we've okay. really chalked up our merits um, um yeah we're gonna dive into my boy ludwig ludwig from here on out um in my homeland of germany um if it wasn't clear before i was born in germany and my name is spelled as an f which is the german way of spelling it um i've been to germany once i was supposed to go to germany for my 30th birthday last year so um and that got canceled for obvious reasons due to covid so um what i'm trying to say is this is the closest i'm going to get to germany for a long time so I'm, I'm pretty psyched about it. He's one of my favorite guys that we've talked about. I personally think he was very misunderstood, uh, but we'll, we will definitely get into that and, and our listeners can maybe form their own opinions. But you do know that they sell Milka and Ritter Sport at most grocery stores, right? I, I do know. Yes. Yeah. To me, That's that seems. Saying. That's not the same thing as when I. I think I ate a Toblerone a day when we went over there. I'm not kidding. At least one a day. I don't know why when we travel, we lose all common decency. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I I mean, there was no reason back abroad every time with some sort of volatile digestive issue because I eat like a disaster. What do I think is going to happen? I don't know. I can't. I have, I was just thinking about that um, trip and there's actually a lot worse stories that we could, that we could share. Yeah. I thought about Um, um, sharing those, but uh, I think it would be offensive to mention the fact that one of my classmates twerked on the Berlin wall. That was nothing. I was thinking about uh, when you lost your phone. Oh my God. This is what happened the last time we went to Germany. Camp, okay. Yeah, we went to a, we, we were on a group tour. We went to a concentration camp. Um, was it Dachau? Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, a very emotional experience. And we get on the bus and we're driving away. And Riley's like, I, I forgot my phone. And this is a brand new iPhone. And she just got it for her birthday. It was her first iPhone. Before that, I had Stephanie's hand-me-down Blackberry. And I was getting my lunch money stolen in high school because of it. Even my teachers were roasting me. The story is about you, not me. Um, And so we're in a foreign country. She lost her new phone. And everyone's, we're just freaking out. And so, of course, (laughs) I had... I'm embarrassed, but this is the worst thing I've ever had to do, (laughs) was to call the people at the concentration camp and say, hey, uh, we were just there. Thank you for the lovely experience. Very moving, very touching. Did you happen to find a cell phone? Because that's really what matters here. Of course, they did not have it because it turns out it was on the bus wedged in between the seat the entire time. So we are just the biggest a-holes in the world for having to call Dachau and be like, hey, you know what? Now you have a phone and you're lost and found. I will be calling a witness for the defense next episode. All right. I'll be calling a witness. Great. All right. To be continued. None of 
of this has nothing to do with Ludwig, by the way, um, because so, <laughs> he was born in 1845. <laughs> so <laughs> let's just jump right in there because let's we could go it. on forever about this disaster. Okay, great. So we're talking about um, the Mad King of Bavaria is one of his names. Uh, we've got the Swan King, the Fairy Tale King. Uh, basically, all of these names would suggest that Ludwig's life was a fairy tale, um, but we're going to find out that his life was anything but a fairy tale, and his the ending of his life was definitely not happily ever after. So, as I said, he was born in 1845 in what we today recognize as Germany. Um, Germany at the time was made up of a dozen dozens of sovereign states, and the largest were Prussia. Austria and Bavaria. So Bavaria is where we're going to focus today, um, centered in Munich, my one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, at the time that Ludwig was born, his grandfather, King Ludwig I, was the king. Um, his grandfather was a lover of arts, um, and this was a very important passion that he passed on to his son, uh, his grandson, and we're going to talk a lot about that and why that was important. Um, the other thing that he was a great lover of was women, uh, in particular, a woman by the name of Lola Montez, who was not his wife. And the reason why that is important is because she was disliked by everyone in Bavaria, and her association with the king almost cost him the throne on several occasions. Um, eventually Ludwig I did actually abdicate the throne and he made his eldest son Maximilian who was Ludwig's father the new king of Bavaria um, so question that uh, I think might be yeah. at the forefront of some of our listeners mind uh, Lola yeah. Montez any relation to Gabrielle Gabriella um, a very distant relation okay yes uh, Gabrielle Montez of High School Musical, also a lover of the theater and the arts. Yes, I'm seeing um, a lot of connections here. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, because because naturally, Gabrielle Montez um, is German, as one would. Well, it's Lola Montez. And her. But, you know, I see parallels no, because if you think about it, Troy Bolton also abdicated the throne for his Miss Montez. So history. And and the people were not happy with his choice of women. Yes. Yeah. History is doomed to wow. be repeated. We're never going to get through this episode, are we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope. Okay. So um, when his father became... The king, he was three years old, so now he's the crown prince. And as the crown prince, he had his days jam-packed with studies and homework and um, to the point where he actually was often pushed to episodes of nervous exhaustion as a child. And his parents really did not have any sympathy. They didn't show him any love or empathy and he had no socialization with years of his age. So he formed close attachments to his governesses and the tutors that raised him. Um, so it wasn't a fun or laid back childhood. 
um, but the thing that he did love and that he was able to escape through was literature and arts. And um, it really was not even a love, it was an obsession. So he was obsessed with fairy tales and operas and his favorite composer was a man named uh, Richard Wagner. So this is where Ludwig was given the nickname the fairy tale king because he really preferred even from a very young age to live in a world of pretend than kind of harsh reality um, around him of being this prince who one day would be king and was expected to um, bury himself in studies and um, and you know things that were we're not only not often, but we're expected of them. So obviously I'm not a psychologist, but Ludwig's absent parents and the lack of friends his age growing up definitely formed a, a man when he was older who was quick to form unhealthy attachments. So in any relationship in his life, he wanted absolute devotion. And really, I mean, I can relate. I don't know why that's so much to ask to have everyone around you obsessed with you, right? I mean, we all want a little of that. No, just me. Okay, just one person. You and Countess Luann. I just want one person obsessed with me. Is that too much to ask? Um, Listeners, if you're obsessed with her, please tweet. Yeah, please tell me. Um, So the the friends that he did have the very few friends he kept them very close um so naturally he had male companions that um he was very intimate with in terms of the the amount of time that he spent with them and and how much he trusted them and of course that got the gossips going the gossips love that topic um but it's important to note that at this time when he was young, his friendships were um, never physical. So of course that would always be the rumor, but they really were just uh, close emotional attachments because in my opinion, as not a psychologist, he was trying to kind of fill that void uh, that he had from growing up when he didn't really receive that love. Um, when Ludwig was 18, his father uh, passed away. And so this is March of 1864. Again, as we've seen countless times, the general people, they were sad that they lost their king, but they're happy because they had Ludwig and it should be, have been kind of an easy and carefree, um, what's the word? Transition. Transition. Yes, thanks, transition. Um, and, it, and it wasn't too bad first. There are definitely mixed reviews. So we have one court secretary who says, we now have an angel on the throne. So clearly he's a Ludwig fan. High praise. Um, yes, high praise. But then we have one of his former tutors who uh, remarked that Maximilian II's death was the worst possible tragedy which could have befallen Bavaria. So so but you know then again he was a tutor so he kind of had a little more insight we're going to find out you know was were one of these people right um but what his subject saw was this really tall and handsome king um he was handsome for the times and he really did look like a fairy tale prince so um so so people were generally um were generally happy when he 
gained throne. Unfortunately for Ludwig, he was not handed the throne in the best of circumstances in terms of politics around him. So alliances are forming among the German states, Prussia and Austria, as the two biggest German states are battling for land and dominance. At this time, we have a certain man named Otto von Bismarck, who you may be familiar with. Rings if a couple bells. Yes, if your high school history did not fail you, and we won't go down that path again um, about a certain high school. Um, <laughs> but uh, again, at this time, what would, as a young prince new to the throne, the important thing is you want heirs. So at this time, uh, the important thing was to get Ludwig married. Which can have been hard. Great- because I have been Google image searching this man since you mentioned he was handsome mm-hmm. and I can mm-hmm. confirm for the 1800s, he was a regulation hottie. He was a regulation hottie. So he had it all, right? He was the king. He was a hottie. He was intelligent. Um, the problem was that he was not interested in marrying mm. for, what, for whatever reason. I can't speculate uh, what the reason was. It just wasn't on his list of things to do. Um, So that was commonly known that he wasn't uh, looking to get married. So it was a great shock when he actually did propose to his cousin Sophie in 1867. So he didn't look very far outside (laughs) of the family tree. Um, But Sophie was really his his best friend um, other than... uh, he had another cousin, but Sophie and himself were very close. And they, I mean, they got through, Sophie got through all the planning and really got to almost the day of the wedding. And uh, the thought of marrying became so much for the king. And he was so miserable at the thought of getting married that he canceled it altogether. So, wow. Yeah, as you can imagine, a lot of preparations were made, a lot of to do about nothing. Um, Don't worry, Sophie did get married uh, the next year around the same time. So she was not completely left hanging and Ludwig never regretted his choice not to go through the marriage and he, spoiler alert, never got married. So he was sticking to it. Um, So... Although he did not find happiness with his cousin, Sophie, there was one person in his life who was the greatest source of joy. Um, And that person was uh, the man that I had uh, mentioned earlier, Richard Wagner, who was a famous um, opera composer at the time. Um, Operas like Tannhauser, Lohengrin, and Tristan and Isolde. Um, I don't know operas. The only thing I know about Tristan and Isolde was uh, the absolute trauma I experienced when I was a freshman in high school. If you've ever seen this movie with James Franco, came out in 2006. Um, I, I don't, I can't tell you really what it's about. I think it's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet story. All I remember was that it was so depressing that it kept me up at night for weeks oh, wow is so, this when I was uh, a child and I had a nightmare and I went into mom's room and 
you kicked me out because you had a nightmare and you were sleeping there or was that the ring no that that was the ring that was an actual horror movie that was horrifying and uh dad was deployed yes I was um how old was I at this point 14 or 15 sleeping in uh mom's bed but no I kept this all this trauma emotional trauma inside you're a fighter so if you want to get a little taste of the um inspiration behind that movie uh that is the opera by this man that uh, Ludwig was obsessed with and he eventually became friends with Wagner and he brought Wagner to Bavaria and he had a decades-long friendship with uh this man and he gave him money to produce and stage his performances so I mean it's nice he had a friend basically and he had like a hobby um but he was the king so that really shouldn't have been his primary concern or Mm -hmm. activity and also um Wagner was not a very popular figure among the people in Bavaria because Ludwig did a lot for him he rented him a home he paid off off the composer's debt um and he was using Ludwig was using his own money so it's not like he was using the people's money but it was clearly a distraction and it wasn't a good look because he he wasn't really hanging out with the best kind of people so um and it became clear to everyone at this point that Ludwig was not interested in politics in the military in his position as king um he really would rather go to private concerts over um performing his his royal duties so kind of think like uh trump and his love affair with golf something similar so i hope that um, ludwig was better at the arts than trump is at golf he was very talented yes okay um yes and uh much like lola and his grandfather um his relationship his friendship with wagner was so unpopular that it became a national issue mm-hmm. um so we saw a little bit of this uh with the romanovs and their kind of friendship with rasputin we talked about that um last month and um ludwig de- he did eventually cave and sent wagner to live in switzerland after a while but Um, He did continue to stay in touch. And then when the composer died in 1883, obviously Ludwig was distraught um, Mm. and it did not help things. Um, So to clarify, was this also strictly a friendship? This relationship never became physical either? Yes, definitely a a friendship because uh, Wagner was um a womanizer and a known womanizer and he had his own mistress um which was part part of the reason why he had a bad reputation because he had uh, multiple children with this mistress and lived with her instead of his wife and it was a a whole thing so um it was definitely i think part of the problem is that it was hard to kind of separate ludwig's obsessions as like physical Mm -hmm and emotional and it was just like he had this um 
he just like obsession with with Wagner work and he wanted to kind of see them um, obviously it it costs a lot of money and resources to be able to put on these these uh, operas and, and plays on stage and he really saw himself as um like the re- the the reason that Wagner had a career at some point and so mm-hmm. um it it wasn't it definitely wasn't a romantic love um it was is more of like a, a partnership and, and a love of the arts and the actual need to have a friend or the need to feel wanted basically sure. because Wagner needed him and as a patron. <clears throat> um, so, so the people aren't thrilled about that. The other thing they aren't thrilled about is that even though he was using his own money to fund Wagner and those projects, uh, he was using a lot of um, the the people's money to build and build homes and by homes I mean spectacular castles. So, if you aren't familiar with Ludwig and his story, what you would probably be familiar with is his greatest architectural project. It's called it's called Neuschwanstein Castle. Um, and you may not even know that name, but what you do know is Cinderella's castle that appears um, in the credits before every Disney movie. And if you go to Disney World and you see Cinderella's castle, um, Neuschwanstein was actually um, the inspiration for Cinderella's castle. So that just kind of gives you an idea of the scale of the things that he was building. Yeah, and we actually went to it. see it. Yeah, when we yeah. took our little Germany trip, which was lucky because um, our mom and dad went there in the 80s, but my mom didn't know how to use a video camera. So the only footage we have is of the floor. Um, but yes. it is really amazing. And I think it's also, I didn't know a lot about Ludwig at the time, but now that I know about him, it gives you a lot of insight into how kind of eccentric he was. Like, I just mm-hmm. remember when you walk in, there's these really elegant sitting rooms and offices and dining rooms. And then you walk through a door and there's a room that was randomly like a cave with stalactites and rock walls. And it just made no sense. Yeah. I mean, he's at the top of a mountain in this gorgeous right. castle and then he built a cave. The sheer manpower that it took to build when when I say it's at the top of the mount this mountain, I mean it's you have to look up pictures. We climbed. I mean, it has a road you could take. Um, I don't even know if there were cars that went up there, or if it was like horse drawn carriages. Yeah, it was a it was a hike, and this was pre knee surgery for me. So you guys were hoofing it, and I. This is a true story. Was uh, walking with. <laughs> Uh, to 80 year olds um, and I, that's the level I was on because that is the climb and so this huge castle is at the top of a mountain and when you go inside like Raleigh said um, it's just every room is like a different theme and so you know he clearly had a wild imagination um, and he he had a lot of creativity but the problem was that um, as we've seen before he was eccentric and quirky and oftentimes unfortunately those two things are mistaken for mental illness mm-hmm. and 
I think we've talked about it before, we'll probably talk about it today, is that obviously those two things are not the same and no. not at all. Um, and, you know, there are other things that, that concerned people, like the fact that at one point uh, Ludwig became totally nocturnal, so he would stay up all night he would take like random sleigh rides around his his estates like yeah he would like get into the sleigh with his his big fur blanket and just like drive around in the middle of the night and stop at like the local peasant farms which you know kind of helped him because they love seeing him they're like oh the king's here like we're so excited santa claus and yeah he was like santa claus and meanwhile his staff is like wtf I just want to sleep. Like, what's wrong with this man? So, you know, <laughs> those those things did not help his case because at the age of 40, um, we find that King Ludwig was deemed mentally insane and he was forcibly removed from the throne. And then not only that, but a few days after he was um, deemed mentally insane, his uh, dead body was found floating in the lake of one of his estates. So let's just let that set in for a second. That's that's where we're headed. That's that's ending. So now we got to work back a little bit. Uh, I feel like I'm I watching don't a Dateline g- episode. This is fantastic. I know it is. Spoiler alert. A dead that is body. How it ends. A dead no body. clues. A mentally ill king. And his or was he? Or was he? Or oh, a doctor? We haven't even gotten there. Or was he? Um, or did he just like midnight sleigh rides? <laughs> so <laughs> let's let's get into that a little bit. So we got to back up a little bit and find out why he was kicked off the throne. Event essentially, uh, what did he do to piss off the people around him? And um, I would say other than the spending habits, uh, really what ticked off the people. And when I say the people around him, I'm talking like the people in government, like the other nobles, because at this point, like I said, like the normal people, the normies, they loved him. Um, Because again, they just saw this like really hot prince who looked the part and uh, visited their homes randomly. Uh, so they liked him, but the people, the, the people close to him, uh, did not, because as I mentioned before, we are in, a, a, a political time where Prussia and Austria, and then we have France, everyone's fighting for power and Bavaria is kind of in the middle as the, like the third biggest state in Germany. Um, and Otto von Bismarck is like, hey, Ludwig, you have to pick a side, come with us um, and, you know, fight against Austria. Um, And Ludwig is like, I don't have any interest in going to war with other German states. This is also like not my thing, Um, not interested. And so what he what he does is he just uh, runs and hides quite literally, like just runs to one of his estates and decides like, nah, uh, this is not for me. So uh, that didn't do anything to um, instill confidence in him as a leader. Um, I, eventually, uh, Prussia declares war on Bavaria. So that 
that decision is made for Ludwig and the the rest of his um the of the nobles that are really trying to hold the country together at this point and um so we have Prussia Italy don't ask why they're involved and some smaller German states on one side we have Austria Bavaria and additional smaller German states on the other um the problem is that Prussia is really the military powerhouse at this point and uh they end the war in seven weeks it's called the seven weeks war it ends in the Treaty of Prague in August of 1866. It kicks Austria out of what is known as the German Federation. Um, and as part of that, Bavaria has to sign a treaty with uh, Prussia that says we're going to team up for future conflicts. And um, unfortunately for Bavaria, that future was not that far off. Within four years, Prussia is now going up against France in the um, Franco-Prussian War. Again, Ludwig is like not interested, um, not, <clears throat> not interested not only in the, in the war in general, but I'm not interested in leading the Bavarian army. That's a huge no-no. Obviously for the morale of the country and the morale of the troops, you want your king um, on the field. We talked about um, the Romanovs last month and how um Nikki was on the on the field on the front lines he wasn't necessarily popular but he made that a point um Ludwig Ludwig did not so that was kind of like the last straw basically with his uh, ministers that and the fact that now uh Ludwig's creditors are coming after him because he has all of these insane projects that he can't fund um, and it's just not a good look. So in 1855, this is um, 20, the 21st year of Ludwig's reign. He's been on, for, on the throne for quite some time. His own uncle, Prince Lutpold, uh, begins to conspire with uh, the prime minister of Bavaria, Johann von Lutz, and they want to kick him off the throne. So but to do that, they have to come up with a pretty airtight explanation for why they want him off the throne. Uh, because again, he's still very um, uh, popular with the common people. So what is the best way to do that? Uh, well, that would be to deem him mentally unstable and uh, unable to responsibly and coherently make decisions uh, on behalf of the country. So to do that, you need a doctor to make a diagnosis. And uh, there was one Dr. Bernhard von Guden, who yes. uh, you're going to talk about because uh, I hate this dude. This dude sucks. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do have to give him credit for some of the things that he um gave to the field of neuroscience. I would be remiss if I did not mention that Von Gutten um, had some profound impacts on neuroscience, and then we can get back to trashing him for the rest of the episode. Um, so first of all, he was important in reforming psychiatry and the asylum system. So he banned things like physical abuse and physical restraints, and he was all about giving patients basic freedoms, which we love. He also- Ooh. 
Stop. Stop that. I'm sorry. Bad. Sorry. I just really don't like him. He did do good things. Okay. Sorry. He did good things. Yes. So he also invented something called the Von Gutten method. So he thought that if um, two brain regions are connected and then you sever the connection during development, then uh, you would see structural changes in the brain. So he did this in animals while their brains were developing and then saw a change in anatomy, which helped the field understand that sensory input is important for the developing brain. Um, and this is still used today. Uh, in addition, there are two important stains in the medical field that label cell bodies and axons of neurons called Weigert and Nissel stains. Um, these are super important and widely used. And if it weren't for Von Gutten, then Carl Weigert was going to give up on his namesake method and Franz Nissel was not going to be able to have a lab space or supplies. So Von Gutten was really crucial in this. And then of course, stains are useless unless you have tissue to work with. So Von Gutten um, invented the first microtome, which is a device used to cut the brain into thin sections. Uh, so his microtome could cut a section of tissue that was 55 microns thick for a reference that is much thinner than a sheet of paper, which is 230 microns. So that's pretty impressive at the time. And then- This is he, like one of those like meat things at the deli. Yeah, like a mini deli yeah. slicer for yeah, little brains. for the brain. Yeah. For little brains. I still use one today, but um, it's actually not quite that different from the one Von Gutten invented. So it's kind of cool. Oh. Um, but lastly, he also just loved anatomy. So he studied the brain and identified seven new structures that are named after him. Um, in addition, he characterized the neuronal connections that give rise to the sense of smell. And then he identified something called the optic chiasm, which is where nerves that transport information from the eyes to the visual part of the brain, they cross over to the opposite side of the body. Um, so this is why like if you have damage to uh, the left side of the brain, it'll affect vision in your right visual field and vice versa. So he was able to show that anatomically. So I know you think he sucked, but uh yeah he was actually pretty brilliant he he did he did suck but he like a lot of the people we talked about obviously he had a quite an impact on history so thank you for that i'm gonna go back to telling everyone why he actually sucked um so uh not only was von guden um named as ludwig's doctor but he was also the doctor of Ludwig's brother Otto. Um, Otto there is actually some evidence that he did suffer from severe mental illness um, actually whereas like with Ludwig we'll talk about maybe not um, but so he so von Guden is Otto's doctor um, obviously, the fact that Ludwig's brother suffered from mental illness makes probably made it a lot easier for Ludwig's haters to accuse him of being insane. You know, the kind of argument it runs in the family. 
um, without her personally examining Ludwig, uh, von Guden delivered a diagnosis to uh, Ludwig's uncle, Ludpold, that confirmed he was unfit to continue his royal duties. So under Bavarian, the diagnosis made it legal to assign a regent. And of course, um, no surprise, the regent became his uncle Ludpold, who was the kind of mastermind of all of this. Mm, so, um, you know, so for all of the, the, the rumors and the reputation that Ludwig had as kind of like this person who would run away during conflict and, and things like that, um, you know, to his credit, he did not go down without a fight when they came to uh, Neuschwanstein to read the charges um, he was obviously confused as to how they came to that decision. Um, there are actual records of conversations between Ludwig and the doctor on the night of his arrest. And um, Ludwig actually dropped the following heat. I gotta say, he made some good points here. His first point, how can you certify me insane without seeing me and examining me beforehand? Mm, that's pretty Facts. good. That's, that's a pretty good one. He also said, as an experienced neurologist, how can you be so devoid of scruple as to make out a certificate that is decisive for a human life? You have not seen me for the last 12 years. That's my king. Oh, so Ludwig, my king, right? He's like, hey, uh, I don't really know what's going on here, but I don't know that you can say I'm mentally unfit if you haven't laid eyes on me in 12 years. He so. said he was unscrupulous. Oh, yeah. He said, who do you Ooh. think you are? Where's your scruples? No scruples. No scruples. So um, unfortunately for Ludwig, those facts did not matter in the moment. Uh, they were not, uh, they weren't interested in the facts. What they were interested in was in their own evidence of his, quote, mental illness. And the accusations were that he often hallucinated or spoke to himself. He was violent with the servants. Um, he often beat them. He was eccentric. There you go. Again, the, the correlation between eccentricity and mental illness. And then he had no control over his spending, which if that is the bar, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> to be honest lock her up um, yeah lock me up so um but again we have to think about the fact that um we don't know who are making the people that were making these statements there is evidence that the people that that did present this evidence were paid to do so um, but unfortunately for Ludwig that didn't matter and he was brought to another one of his residences Castle Berg um, and uh, that is where he would uh, remain for the rest of his uh, life, which was um, unfortunately a few days. So um, one of the, the things that Ludwig was allowed to do was to have escorted walks around uh, the castle grounds twice a day on the evening of June the 13th, 1886. Ludwig and the doctor set out for one of these walks. Um, there was a pretty bad it was storm, a stormy night. It was a dark and stormy night. The and doctor and his patient just going for a stroll, but they would never return. 
is a state line yes <laughs> yes okay excellent do you want to tell the rest of the story you want to narrate it uh i'll just interject okay or All unless right. you want me Great. to you can interject that's fine okay um okay so they go for a walk it's a dark and stormy night uh von gooden's like hey maybe not the best time for a walk ludwig is like we're gonna take a walk bitch so they do um uh unfortunately they're both found dead that night ludwig is floating face down in lake starnberg and um what would happen there will remain a mystery because there are only two people who witnessed it and, and those they're people both were dead. dead and they're both dead um officially ludwig's death was ruled a suicide by drowning um if you have half a brain cell which we know everyone on listening to this does that does not make sense because the water where ludwig was found was only uh, a few feet deep and uh, they did do autopsies at this time. He had no water in his lungs. Um, what could it mean? What could, what it, could be? it mean? And there were no signs of self-harm during the autopsy. So not only did they say it was a suicide, but they also declared it a murder-suicide. So legally, uh, in the law's mind, uh, Ludwig murdered the doctor and then drowned himself, as one does on a late night walk um without swallowing any water without swallowing any water so um again there's no reliable witnesses any documentation that could shed some light on this mystery has been long lost so we can't say for sure what happened on that dark and stormy night but maybe riley can shed some light on um whether or not ludwig was reasonably locked up um and was incapable of uh running bavaria what do you what do you say i say that i cannot shed any more light than has already been shed but i will try so that's uh, it oh that's no oh that's not I, that's the end oh i okay. no i'm going to try um oh you're gonna shed is- some light some light will shed be shed. Shedding a lot of hair, but I don't know any about light. Okay, so let's take it back to our first episode of the podcast. We talked about Charles VI of France, um, and we talked about schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember, there's positive symptoms, which are delusions, hallucinations, disorganized thoughts and speech, And then there's negative symptoms, uh, like you have uh, blunted emotions, you have decreased speech, and you have depression-like symptoms. So Ludwig's brother, Otto, as you mentioned, suffered from mental illness, and uh, it's pretty clear that he was suffering from schizophrenia. Um, And Otto was. Otto was, yep. And Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, the fact that Otto was mentally ill was used to kind of support the fact that Ludwig was. Um, And schizophrenia does have a complex inheritance pattern with some genetic component. So there is a little bit of support for the claim that Ludwig might have also been schizophrenic. Um, And there are people who believe this hypothesis that von Gooden actually diagnosed Ludwig accurately. And then the doubters are just kind of like, 
conspiracy theorists on mm. weird corners of Reddit. Um, mm. I, but- I recently tried to troll around Reddit and I found it very overwhelming. We'll not be doing that again. Yeah, I'm really sorry for um, yeah. what you probably not saw cool. and experienced on the I'm website. I'm not cool enough. I'm not cool enough for Reddit. Yeah, it's tough. Um, but the people who believe that Ludwig was not diagnosed accurately are probably on the website. But for the mm-hmm. people who think that Ludwig was diagnosed accurately, it's hard. As Stephanie mentioned, I did take German in high school, but it's been a minute. Um, and I could not get my hands on the original document. So I'm relying on primary, or sorry, on secondary sources um, that are available in English. And there was a paper I found uh, published by German researchers named Reinhard Steinberg and Peter Falkai. And they uh, cite sources like uh, Richard Wagner's second wife, Uh, who remembers Ludwig would have dinner with imaginary guests, uh, which is consistent with something that uh, von Gooden mentioned in his report. The doctor also said that Ludwig refused to use doors to go in and out of his homes, and he climbed through windows. And then uh, in this paper, Steinberg and Falkai also cited a report from a doctor Um, named Franz Karl Gerster, who saw Ludwig for dental issues two years before his death. And he reported that Ludwig had an accelerate, quote, an accelerated flow of ideas, flights of thoughts, a logical stringing together of thoughts, delusions, and illusory and hallucinatory phenomena. Um, And a dentist said this? uh, Well, he was a doctor. All I know is that he saw him for dental issues um okay but I guess they had a really great conversation while he was examining his mouth can you imagine yeah Ah! clearly yeah Um, (laughs) this guy's crazy yeah insane um but apparently at the time so this is two years before his death and uh being removed from the throne uh the doctor reported this that uh he thought that Ludwig was suffering from mental illness and everyone said that this was high treason. But of course, when his uncle wants to do it, it's, you know, saving the country. Um, right. So when I read this paper and these claims, these are, you know, we talk about the difference between eccentricity and, and psychiatric illness. To me, this is, mm-hmm. this is clearly uh, mental illness. And a lot of these symptoms, especially what the doctor dentist said, are consistent with schizophrenia. Um, mm-hmm. And then Steinberg and Falk, I think one of their strongest pieces of evidence is that they're claiming that it's not completely accurate that Bob Gooden made his diagnosis without evaluating Ludwig. So I think that is kind of a big uh, cloud over Von Gooden's diagnosis. But apparently, um, while he wrote the official testimony based on witness accounts, he did an evaluation of Ludwig the night before both of them died. And he says that he found Ludwig in exactly the, the condition he described him in as in the original report, and also that he was suicidal. So that's rather convenient if you subscribe to this right. theory. 
Ludwig was schizophrenic, he was suicidal, and he took his own life along with his doctors. Um, but then, you know, you mentioned these kinds of lucid arguments he had um, for Von Gooden right. about like, right. why are you diagnosing me with this? You have no scruples. Um, and then none scrupulous yeah scrupulous and inscrupulous then there's even a letter that's very well written that um that Mm -hmm. he wrote the night that he was diagnosed as a quote paranoid maniac and then there's the fact that the autopsy showed Ludwig had no water in his lungs and it's it the the suicide theory is is very hard to it's a stretch terms with it's a stretch it's a reach and then there's the fact that von gooden conveniently had political ties with the people who wanted to get uh both ludwig and otto out of the way as heirs to the bavarian throne so that they could Mm -hmm. come to power so if you trust von gooden then you have an open which we don't yes you don't and i don't don't know know if i do either so I trust that he was an intelligent man who knew what he was talking about, but that doesn't mean that he was using his, his knowledge and power for good. Correct. Especially if he was without scruples, it makes it hard to do. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree. And I think even if it wasn't, um, you know, malintent, if it wasn't premeditated, it could be that people did think that Ludwig was mentally ill, but it was just because he was a free spirit. Um, mm-hmm. he, he was moody. He was mysterious. He was a little campy. I think he was a little before his time. I think he had a, you know, a he would have killed at the Met Gala. Okay. He would have been killed it. Absolutely slayed. his lane, but you know, in the 1800s and Bavaria I don't know if his audience was really around um he also loved to be by himself and like we talked about with Alexander last month that's hard when you're in a public position because Mm -hmm. that's you don't really have that luxury so maybe his personality was just incompatible with being a king um and then there's the fact that a lot of emphasis is placed on Ludwig's sexuality. So mm-hmm. in 1886, when he died, homosexuality was considered a mental illness and actually was considered so until 1973, which is wild. Um, Good Lord. And even more so, it's just like a, a taboo, right? Like that's not mm-hmm. in the mainstream. So I think it's right. possible that his intimate relationships with other men um, made him a target. Uh, it would have been a big scandal. So it's not uh, surprising that Von Gooden did not mention Ludwig's sexuality in his report. But I also have to wonder how much um, his sexuality played into the whole plot to kind of remove him from the throne. Um, and portray him a certain way Um, for sure so we kind of have these two he could have been schizophrenic it could have been a correct diagnosis he could have just been misunderstood um and then I think there could be a third explanation um so I would like to introduce the testimony of a third doctor Dr. Rudolf Mag 
and he Mag. is the one mag he did the autopsy of ludwig back in 1886 ah, okay. yes nice. so he found some interesting things when he looked at ludwig's brain so okay. he found signs that ludwig was suffering from neurological disease and it's known that ludwig had meningitis as a baby um which is a, a infection causing inflammation of the meninges which surround the brain and spinal cord um and he recovered but he had scarring in his frontal lobe so that's the front of your brain that is responsible for a lot of executive functions like planning self-control and organization um so to me that's interesting because uh, when you think of executive functions one of the big ones is managing your money which we know ludwig could not Mm. do Mm-hmm. But then there was also a crazy discovery that there was atrophying in his brain, which means it had shrunk in the, the frontal lobes, which I just talked about, as well as the temporal lobes, uh, which are a region really important for memory. So at first I thought, okay, maybe this atrophy is also related to the meningitis, but um, if this is the case, it's unlikely that this has anything to do with um, his mental state, because as far as I can tell from the research that I read, while brain atrophy can happen after meningitis, there's not usually any uh, clinical changes in your cognitive or psychiatric status. Um, What's interesting is that this frontotemporal lobe atrophy actually can happen in schizophrenia, um, so schizophrenia, as we talked about in the Charles VI episode, is a disease of altered brain connectivity um, and can also have reduced brain volume in certain regions, including the frontal and temporal lobes. There was one study I found where uh, they looked at patients at risk of developing schizophrenia Um And they found that certain regions of the frontal cortex shrunk faster and people who went on to be diagnosed with the disease than those who didn't. Um, And atrophy in the temporal lobe is well reported in patients with schizophrenia uh, and is linked to language and hallucinations um, because it's an important region in um, hearing and in language and speech. So that is pretty good evidence. I would say that Von Gooden's Mm -hmm. uh, diagnosis of schizophrenia was legit, except for this one weird thing. So Ludwig was four years old when diagnosed with schizophrenia. And that is, yeah, 40 years old. That's super rare. Um, Schizophrenia onset is usually in the late teens and early twenties for males. Um, So I considered whether there was something else that was more age appropriate. And uh, actually there's something that is characterized by atrophy in the frontal and temporal lobes that is confused clinically for schizophrenia often. Um, And this is called frontotemporal dementia or FTD. FTD is kind of complicated. It's not one disease, but it's like a group of disorders that all cause shrinking in the frontal and temporal regions of the brain. Um, And 
the average age range of symptom onset is 45. So that's much mm-hmm. closer to Ludwig's age at the time that he was diagnosed than schizophrenia onset. Um, there's two types of FTD. You can have a behavioral variant um, is one common type. And that's the one that is usually confused with schizophrenia because people with behavioral FTD, they have personality changes and they kind of lose their social cues and inhibitions. They have uh, weird social um, norms and they can have depression-like symptoms as well as they show a, a, a very unusual preference for sugar and carbs and uh, changes in like dietary intake. Um, and yeah, I think FTD now is more likely to be misdiagnosed as schizophrenia in patients who are younger. Uh, Gooden would not have known that distinction. Um, and FTD wasn't even described until like 10 years after he died. So he was not aware that this was a possibility. So he was also making his diagnosis without seeing the autopsy. Correct. Yeah. This was something that um, he would not have been able to do even after FTD was described with the technology that he had until death. Yeah. Cause you would have to see the atrophy. Good point. Yeah. Um, so I think that this is a pretty good theory that Ludwig was suffering from an early onset dementia. Um, and it, it, it could be true. Like two of these things could be true that he was perfectly normal when he died. It's just that like people were power hungry and he was eccentric. Um, Mm -hmm. but from what his brain looked like, it seemed that if he wasn't showing signs of mental illness or, um, neurological disease, then he would, um, in time. So this theory of course relies on whether or not the autopsy was accurate. Um, Mm. and I kind of tend to think that Dr. Mag is trustworthy because if he was lying, I feel like he should not have mentioned that no water was found in Ludwig's lungs. Otherwise, no one would have thought there was a conspiracy. Like we all just would have moved on with our lives. Um, right. But there are some crazy rumors about Dr. Mag um, that call. Can we trust anyone? No. Can we trust anyone? You know you can't. You know you can't nope. because this is Dayline. No, it's not, but still. Okay, so I, once again, can't find sources in English other than like news outlets, but there was a crazy 2018 German documentary and it featured a guy, his name is Willie Bell, Bale, I don't know how to pronounce it, B-E-H-L. His dad was a handyman for one of Ludwig's properties. Um, so in 1961, 75 years after Ludwig's body was found in the lake, um, his father, Bell's father, was asked allegedly to burn some of Ludwig's possessions. And one of those possessions was a coat with two bullet holes in it. Okay, this. Okay, wait. So his dad allegedly was told 75 years after 
Ludwig is dead. Yes. Like, hey, destroy some of this evidence. Yes. It's been it's been three quarters of a century. Yes, exactly. And okay. I mean, I would love to buy into this. I love a yeah, good love crime it. tale, but it, this doesn't make sense. I mean, why would they have kept this huge piece of damning evidence for 75 years and then ask right. a random handyman to burn it? Um, but I did find a little bit of corroborating evidence. So Dr. Mag's own daughter um, said that when he was dying in 1921, he admitted that there were, quote, terrible bullet wounds, unquote, in Ludwig's body, um, which if there were, this was not mentioned in the autopsy. So I don't know. Was he telling the truth about the way he died? Was he even telling the truth about the state of his brain? Or is he just another shady doctor in a very long? Yeah, line was he paid? Was this guy? Yeah, was this guy paid? Because and none of the the stories about like when they found the bodies, it wasn't like they were. You know, it was a river of blood, or you know, there right. was no mention of yes. basically all the things that I kept reading was that there were no signs of trauma, which is why it's a mystery. Obviously, right. if you were to say um, he had three bullet holes in him, right. then that's a pretty open and shut case. Yes. So, but there are there are a lot of theories about what really happened. One of the popular theories is that um, Ludwig's cousin um, and best friend Elizabeth, um, this was the sister of his former fiance uh, Sophie had managed to plan his escape. And that was the reason why Ludwig insisted on taking that walk in the middle of the dark and stormy night. Um, so according to some people, including uh, author Greg King, it's possible they attempted to flee from the doctor and then they fought in the process. Um, and then he drowned as a result of the weather also because he was pretty overweight and he, was drunk which he did drink an increasing amount of alcohol towards the end of his life um that that is uh apparently true so uh that's one theory uh the other theory was that von Guden tried to subdue Ludwig with chloroform at some point during this walk um that he accidentally killed him and then as a result von Guden had a heart attack because he was stalked that he killed him um that uh yeah and then th of course there's a theory that Ludwig's death was a hit to cover up the coup so um you know just um either way any if that was the if that was the case if that was the the plan then um it was a poor one really because Ludwig's removal from the throne and then his untimely death really made him a martyr in the eyes of the Bavarians and it really it only increases popularity so yeah, the Bavarians if, don't forget a man who visits them in the middle of the night on his sleigh Fanta Ludwig they don't forget yeah they weren't buying this crap so they weren't happy um and with Ludwig's death, his brother Otto technically became the king. Of course, we know that wasn't going to happen because uh, Otto had been deemed insane way long before Ludwig had. 
So the uncle, Leutpold, remained the regent until his own death in 1912 at the age of 92. So we have entered the 20th century at this point. Um, when he dies, his own son takes over the regency as Ludwig III and then eventually becomes um, the king when Otto dies in 1916. But uh, Ludwig III didn't really get to enjoy being king for all that long because after uh, the German Empire's defeat in World War I, the monarchy was abolished in Bavaria, and that was the end of the royal um, Wittelsbach, Wittelsbach family. Wittelsbach. That's the fam- Wittelsbach. That's the family. I don't know. That, it uh, sounds like a, some like a ornament company, something Christmassy. I don't know. Wittelsbach. 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 You just think miss like King Wittelsbach on his we little sleigh. No German listeners left after this episode. Yeah. Uh, we're going to check the stats where they promptly have disappeared. Um, but I mean, honestly, Ludwig led his life in this kind of fairy tale world because he hated this, the kind of hunger for power and the violence that surrounded him in, you know, this fight for, for power. So, you know, it was kind of maybe for the best that he didn't live to see all of this awfulness that came next I can't imagine um what he would have thought um about the state of Europe and Germany uh, in the dawn of the 20th century so really uh Ludwig's cousin Elizabeth she perhaps said it best when she said the king was no madman only an eccentric living in a world of dreams so I am I personally am inclined to kind of think of him that way. Um, again, having seen his castle, having read about him and and his interests, and um, you know, I'm inclined to think that, yeah, he was a great guy for the job of king. Uh, probably wouldn't have been the number one choice. Wasn't really good at his duties. Uh, definitely was not the perfect king um but you know Riley who was who among us would be is what I want to know so he preferred to live in a version of reality that brought him peace and comfort and you know what good on him even though it could have brought down an entire monarchy good on him because you know who was the perfect king the dad of the incredibly diverse royal family of Roger and Hammerstein. Of Roger and Hammerstein, Cinderella. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. A short yeah. king. Short king. Yeah, name your top five short kings. Send us, uh, send us your list. Um, what do we say? Uh, Zach Efron, short king. Lando Norris. Short, short king, king. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Michael short J. King. Fox is a short king. Uh, Joe Jonas is a short king. Doctor Anthony Fauci. <laughs> I just got a massive <laughs> eye roll. Someone hates public health. Excuse me, I'm triple vax. I'm boosted, bitch. Okay, get at me. Um, <laughs> you could have to make this episode explicit. My gosh. Yeah, it is. Um. I have 
absolutely no idea how we just got there. The point is, uh, is that <laughs> um, I choose to think of Ludwig as uh, just a guy who met a girl and didn't get married. And <laughs> Ludwig is a dreamer. He's a dreamer. Uh, he he blew all his money and then some <laughs> on his dreams and good on him. Um, uh, yeah, he was a terrible king. Uh, but he was a great... He, he was a patron of the arts. Yeah, he was a patron of the arts. That was where his passions lay. Unfortunately, um, that didn't do him any favors with the uh, people around him. And they'd had enough of it. They had had enough of the BS. And really the quickest way to get there was uh, to come up with this theory that he was mentally ill. And um, he was he was really outnumbered um, at that point. So it's definitely a sad story. He died at a young age. And we'll never know exactly what happened. Um, or you know, will you have your, we? Or will we? Maybe if that garden guy, what's it? What's the name of the Willie Bell? <laughs> well, that that was like seventy-five years plus another 40, 50 years. Yeah, I gotta get my hands on this documentary. If our German listeners are listening, please get me this German documentary. I can't find it anywhere. Oh, you can't find it. You just no. know that it exists. Yeah, because I read articles about it. Doesn't it? Is it only in German, or do you think we can find it in? English? It's only in German, but I will. You could do subtitles, right? English I subtitles. I will find a way. Okay. I will find so hopefully a way. by our next series, we will have watched this documentary, and we will be able to solve the mystery of. William the caretaker and the mysterious trench coat with bullet holes <laughs> that someone in the Bavarian government now the German government 75 years later asked him to burn there's just so no people, way this is true those people those people weren't even alive then like the people that like correct had that theoretically put the hit out on Ludwig like who who were these people that 75 years later because they weren't alive you know what like, hey i'm taking this straight to angela merkel and i won't stop until i get answers <laughs> this is being escalated yes and it should we're be. escalating it and it should I'm be escalating it for ludwig will not rest until ludwig's name is cleared and von guden's name is dragged through the mud yeah we're gonna rename in neuroscience the von gooden method to the ludwig method to the swan king method the swan the fairy tale king justice for ludwig <laughs> justice free ludwig um i don't know if i should be taking that hard of a stance on him because obviously i didn't know him i just um I'm going to just stick with my theory that he was an awful king. Definitely shouldn't have been on the throne, um, but was probably misunderstood. And uh, and I do like your theory of FTD. I think that's a good one. If we can believe the autopsy report, 
which at this point what we're saying is what's what can we believe nothing yeah so um don't trust anyone and yeah you really only trust yourselves in this world don't trust us sure don't trust us Mm -hmm. all right stephanie go spill up your tea go clean up your tea that you spilled uneasy lies the crown is researched and recorded by stephanie bannon and riley bannon editing by thomas catanacci Theme music by Jared Cunningham and artwork by Jackson Roy.